Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So, hey, gang, I'm going to say happy holidays for us here in uh, Waco, Texas. We had fabulous weather, as far as I'm concerned, 70 to 80 degrees. It was gorgeous, but no no fireplace on or, you know, hot stew and that kind of stuff. So I did miss that, but very happy that it was beautiful weather. Kids and grandkids got to play outside. I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas and welcome back to, I don't know, real life, real world, right? So here on Game Day Birds Not Balls, I have been doing a series called What a Doula Knows, talking about all the things that I know, the things that I use for my clients, the things that I have found uh, work in hopes to help many of you out there that either don't have access to a doula or you just want it to be a very private, intimate uh, affair, which is very, very common. So you don't want another additional body in the room. And so these things can be helpful uh, to you as well. So I've talked about early labor and some go-to positions that I use, um, how important it is to breathe properly. Um, so yeah, go back and listen to some of those. Uh, to get kind of caught up. And so I'm just going to jump right in and I'm going to start talking today about all your options. And there's a lot, you've got a lot of options. And so I do want you to be aware of what you have at your disposable to use for birth, for labor, for delivery. And, um, you know, as I talked about in the first one, early labor, um, you know, an option that you have, and, and let me just say this, I probably should back up for a second. If you're having a home birth or a birth in a birthing center, then you have lots of options, especially if you're at a home birth. And so you pretty much can do whatever you want to do. So a lot of this is going to be geared towards uh, people that are having their babies um, in a hospital, but maybe you want a more natural uh, approach and feel to this experience. And so I think this conversation in this series is probably geared more toward that. But now that I think about it and I'm talking out loud to all of you guys, <laughs> maybe I will do uh, one of the little episodes about, um, the different options that you have 
not just having a baby at the hospital and what that could look like, but for another day. Okay, so um, one option that you definitely have is to labor at home as long as possible. I mean, you don't have to rush to the hospital just because you think you might be in labor. You really don't even have to rush to the hospital if your water breaks, especially if it's clear and if you've contacted your midwife or your doctor. I mean, that is not necessarily automatic. I mean, one of the things they're looking for when your water does break is kind of this timeline um, because, you know, you don't want to run the risk of infection. And then that passes along to the baby. That can be dangerous. And so, you know, that is one reason why they do want you to come in um, relatively quickly after your water breaks, but you can labor at home as long as possible. And so I talked about that in the very first one that we did and all the reasons why that's such a great idea to do. But so that is an option. You can, you can wait. Uh, you don't have to go in right away. Um, another uh, option that you guys have is, okay, so when you come to the hospital, you're going to go to the triage room first. And so this is where they're going to kind of get a, an idea of how far along you are if you think you're in labor and they're going to determine first if you actually are in labor and you're at least three to four centimeters along that your contractions are strong enough to be picking up on the monitor this is where they get kind of a base read of the baby's heart rate and so I think a lot of especially first-time parents don't know that the triage room is not where you're going to stay. I mean, just because you think you're in labor doesn't necessarily mean you'll go straight to a room. So again, triage is where they're just kind of assessing you and what's happening. And so once it's determined, yes, you are in labor or yes, your water broke or we are going to admit you now, then there's a series of things that's going to happen when they are admitting you and putting you into the room. And so they got to take blood, um, so that there's, if there's any changes throughout your stay, they'll, they'll recognize it quickly. Um, obviously, like I said, heart monitors for baby in conjunction with the contractions that you're having to make sure that baby is tolerating the contractions well. And, you know, heart rate is at a good, um, speed pace, um, regulation, uh, to know that baby is safe right away. Um, and then most of the time they are going to give you an IV. And so the reason for the IV is for many things, like especially if they're going to be administering meds, like if you failed, if you're GBS, uh, GPS positive, GPS positive, then um, you're going to get some antibiotics and that's going to be through your IV. If you decide later that you um, want to have some analgesic meds, which I'll go into detail here in just a second. That goes through your IV. Uh, they give you fluids automatically through your IV because most of the time they don't want you to drink water and stuff like that. Because if you had a C-section, the idea is that's emergence. That's, um, that's a, a surgery, a major surgery. And so they don't want anything on your tummy, um, for you to aspirate. However, is good to drink water <laughs> during labor and delivery that's a good thing and it is why that they pump you full of fluids because they don't want you to get dehydrated so you know I don't think they're quite as strict at least here where we are they're not as strict about that as they used to be yes they, they let you drink water and ice and stuff like that so um but that is another reason why they have the IV so option, you can request to have a HEPLOC which basically means they they put the IV tube in your hand or your arm, 
um, wherever it's going to be. And it stays there and they cap it off and it's not connected to the tubes that is connected to the IV pump, which pumps the fluids into your system so they can cap it off. So why would this be a good idea? Why would this be an option? Why would you want to consider this? Well, mostly because if you're attached to the IV pump, you got to drag that pole with you everywhere you go to the bathroom. If you're going to walk the halls, if whatever, I mean, you got to take it with you, which can be doable, especially if you have a support person, but a kind of a drag all at the same time. So if you have a head block, you don't have to mess with that. And maybe they're not going to need to use the, um, the IV at all, but they are going to put that port in. Um, because if there is an emergency, they don't want to have to try to find a good vein. They don't want, um, they don't want anything to go wrong there because they're going to be quickly getting you back to the OR. If there's an emergency, if that makes sense. And that's pretty much every hospital policy, um, that I'm aware of just, again, that's a safety thing that they're going to do. So you can at least request quest a hep block. And my encouragement to you is to talk to your doctor or your midwife throughout your pregnancy about all of these things that I'm about to mention, but let them know, Hey, I think I want a hep block and not an IV. Are you okay with that? Have that conversation beforehand. I have found uh, the doctors here in our area are typically are fine with that. As long as you and baby look good, they're typically fine with that. Um, but Talk to them in advance so that when you show up at the hospital and you let the nurse know, hey, we've talked about this, then they'll go, okay, great, let me double check. And then your doctor remembers that y'all have had that conversation. So talk to them about that in advance. So that's another option. Um, this is a big one, y'all. Um, you do not have to stay in the bed. I, I'm still surprised at how many people don't know that. It's probably because when we watch TV shows and movies and then you hear about your mom or your grandma or whoever who just had a baby, they were in the bed. And that's what we see uh, oftentimes on TV and in the movies is that they are stuck in the bed. And no, you do not have to be stuck in the bed. Um, it's actually really, really good to not stay in the bed. And most of my clients find that it is much easier to manage contractions when they're not in the bed, when they are uh, at the very least standing up um, or swaying or sitting on the birthing ball. Um, it, it's, it's just much more comfortable. You, you do get maybe a little bit more tired as hours go by um, and, and you're going to want to break. And sometimes they're like, okay, I just need to sit down or I just need to lay down and that's fine. But that doesn't last very long again, because contractions can be really, really, really uncomfortable in the bed. So that's an option. You guys, you can move around. So the question is how, when you, when you're connected to all these things. So like I said, if you have a hep lock, then you're not connected to that pump. However, it's on rollers. So you can take that with you, even if you ended up having to have the IV, okay? Um, monitors, like the bands that go around your belly that are measuring your contractions and your baby's heart rate. Okay, pretty much every hospital should have portable monitors. And most of the time, they're not just going to volunteer those. Okay, you'll have to request that. And and I would do it as soon as you get to triage. Hey, I would really like to be able to get out of the bed. I would like some portable monitors, okay? Some hospitals still have the old school port portable monitors that have to be charged up in advance. And so they might say, oh, they're not charged up. 
great. Can you start charging them so that I can use them? See, see what I just did there? I just solved the 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 problem that uh, potentially could come your way. Um, now, some hospitals have like, there's like little stickers and they stick on your body and it's not the band around you. But again, the idea is so that you're not hooked up to this machine that's monitoring all this stuff, meaning you can't get very far. I mean, you literally have to unplug just to go to the bathroom, okay? So ask for those portable monitors so that you can be moving around. Moving around is an option, standing, swaying. And my clients, you know, for the most part, we've always walked the halls. One of the hospitals in my area will let us walk the halls with masks on. I mean, again, because of COVID, we want to be safe, absolutely. The other hospital won't let you walk the halls because of COVID policies. So you can still move around and walk around in your room in a circle or back and forth or whatever. So stay mobile, you guys. It's super, super beneficial in terms of not just comfort, but even helping these contractions to progress, to get stronger, to help bring baby down. So there's so many positive things. And you can go back and listen to uh, some of the go-to positions that I was talking about um, for more of those um, comfort positions, uh, hands and knees, even, you know, so all of those things are comfort measures. That's another option that you guys have is what can you do to help manage your pain? Okay. So the hospital's answer to most of that is medicine. So there are IV meds, analgesic meds, and then there's also an epidural or a spinal that you can have to help manage your pain. So if you chose an epidural or a spinal or something like that, the idea is to completely numb you from the waist down. So your legs are going to feel numb and tingly, but you won't feel the contractions. Okay. So that's, that's really what the epidural is for. Then there's also analgesic meds, which is, you know, it's kind of the first go-to that I have for my clients if we've done a lot of these other pain management type things um, and now it, it's just getting harder and harder and we've been doing it for a long time and, and mom's just done, mentally done. So I always suggest the analgesics first because these meds go right into your IV. They work immediately. You're going to, you will be in the bed for this because they can make you feel kind of loopy, like the best margarita you've ever had. Yes, please. <laughs> um, but they work immediately. Your epidural is not going to work immediately. You guys, once you say I'm done and I want an epidural, it's probably going to be another hour. So buckle in and keep breathing. Okay. It's going to, it's going to be a little bit before that actually takes effect. And before the anesthesiologist gets there and blah, 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 on and on and on. Okay. So these work immediately, but it doesn't make the pain go completely away. It takes the edge off. You don't care. I mean, a lot of my clients will doze off on the analgesics. So they, they can be that effective. Now, if you're pretty far along and we didn't realize how far along you were, then mm, it's probably not going to do a whole, whole lot. Um, but it will help you relax. It's kind of like we're pushing pause, like this reset button. Kind of get our composure, refocus, take a quick break before we get right back at it. Because in about 30, 45 minutes, it's going to wear off. And that's a good thing because now we can get back up. We can walk around again if we want to. You can go to the bathroom on your own. If you have an epidural, they're going to put um, a catheter in to help, you know, help with the, 
what am I trying to say here? Relieve your bladder <laughs> because you're not going to be able to get up and go pee because your legs are numb. So yeah, they put a catheter in. But once the meds have worn off, the analgesic meds, then you can get back up, which is great, which is why I like this option first. Sometimes the analgesic meds, one dose is all my clients needed to get to the end. So that's super fun. You can, most of the time you can have three doses of this, um, which again is a better, in my opinion, can be a better option than an epidural. Some people though, honestly, if you don't do medication a lot or you don't like the way you feel, um, then yeah, this is not a good option for you. Like if you don't want to feel loopy, if, if you can tell, oh my gosh, I don't feel in control and that's not your thing, then don't get these meds. Okay. So that is an option for pain management, but I like to go to the shower first. A shower is an option. Okay. So if, if there's not a tub available to you, which a lot of hospitals don't have, they do have a shower and they can wrap your IV so that it doesn't get wet. Okay. That would really be the only negative downside, um, as to maybe a pushback that they might have about you being in the shower. If you don't have a support person, because, so listen, your labor and delivery nurse can't just hang out in there with you for hours at a time. And so one concern could possibly be you being in the shower and you having some pain or potentially falling, um, that would be a risk. And so that, that may deter some hospitals or nurses or doctors from you wanting to be in the shower. But when you have a support person there, they know, okay, she's being watched and monitored the whole time. Um, if your partner is there, if a loved one is there, obviously they can be in there in the bathroom with you, making sure that you're, you know, okay. And that you're safe. They also have like shower chairs that you can sit in, um, which is great. Um, and if you do get tired and you want to sit, but that hot water on your belly or on your back is bliss. I'm telling you, my clients, I've had them, some of them in there, no, no joke, two hours, like just in their own world, just breathing perfectly, managing their contractions. So don't forget this one, you guys, this, like I said, this is an option that you have birthing balls. Uh, some hospitals have them, some don't, but you can bring one. It's basically just, you know, uh, exercise activity ball. Essentially, that's what it is. Lots of places sell those. Um, that's a great way to help alleviate pain and rest. Uh, some mamas like the rocking chair. They like that movement. They like that swaying. They like that rhythm. It's very soothing. So that's a great one. Um, and again, if, if you're starting to get tired or uh, you need a break, hands and knees is a really great idea on the bed. Um, it, it does help you relax. It can relieve some of that back pressure. It's just another position. Um, and some mamas want to squat. Like that's what their bodies are telling them to do squat when they have a contraction. And for some reason, it just helps them manage that contraction and that pain quite a bit more. So lots of options in terms of pain management and again, moving around. Um, and then if you are going to be in the bed for whatever reason, you're tired or because you have meds or whatever, whatever the reason may be, it's totally fine. If you end up in the bed, uh, for some reason, but you don't just have to lay on your back y'all. In fact, don't lay on your back. That's miserable. You're going to want to lay on your side and get a pillow or two between your legs. Like how you would sleep at home um, while you're big and pregnant, right? I always had a pillow between my legs. I, I don't know why that's so much more comfortable, but it, it definitely is. Um, and, and laying on your side is, 
is easier than on your back. Um, some hospitals have a peanut ball. That's kind of hard to bring on your own. They don't really sell those anywhere. I think you'd have to order that special somewhere. But some hospitals have that, and that is it. Uh, it looks like a peanut essentially and and it goes between your legs and again it opens up those hips but you get to relax that top leg quite a bit more and that's a, actually a pretty good position to labor in in terms of effectiveness um, and then there's also when my clients are in the bed uh, one of my go-tos is tailor sitting and so these beds are movable right you can the the back of it, the head will sit up straight. Um, the bottom of the bed will drop low so that your feet are down. And you look like you're sitting in, on this big throne, honestly. And so you're sitting up and your your legs are dropped. And so, and then what you do is you kind of have your feet together. They don't have to literally be touching, but they're closer together. And then you let your knees just like fall open wide. Again, opening up your pelvis um, and you just relax and you just kind of sink into the bed during those contractions. And so that's a great one um, in terms of pain management and in terms of options that you have. Okay. So there, you, there's lots of those. Here's another option. Okay. You're going through transition. Now you're at a 10 and you're about to start pushing or it, you're, you're complete, right? But baby's still high. So one option that you have that a lot of people don't know about is you can actually labor down. I'm kind of using air quotes right now, labor down. And what that means is you're going to continue to breathe through these contractions, even though you're 10 centimeters, you're dilated, it's time to push. You're going to breathe through these contractions and you're going to let baby descend on his own rather than you trying to push him down lower. And the reason this is potentially a good idea is because when you're pushing, you're spending a lot of energy. It takes a lot of work, okay? It, it, it does. It takes a lot of work. And so when you labor down instead of push and letting him just descend on his own, you're saving some energy. This is harder to do if you don't have an epidural or if you are in quite a bit of pain and have been for hours and hours and hours. If, you're, if your birth has gone relatively fast, this is actually a nice little break. Like, hey, just hang on just a second. Let me just chill before I have to start pushing. And, and the contractions actually cooperate a little bit with that. I kind of notice a lull um, between labor and delivery. I, I actually do. There's like this long break and pause, which is awesome because we get to kind of refocus, change our mindset because everything's about to shift. It's going to look very different, um, our approach to delivery. So if the birth has gone kind of fast and you just want to be like, hey, peace out, wait just a second, let me let baby descend on their own, then you potentially will do a lot less work when it comes time to actually push. So there's another option for you guys. Um, and then when it comes to pushing, you know, you should have some options in terms of positions that you want to push. So some pretty, uh, a very common one, obviously, and you do hear, I hear a lot of women say, I do not want to be on my back when I push. And here's what they're envisioning. Flat on their back, staring up at the ceiling, pushing that way. And I'm just going to tell you that is super, super rare for a mom to push flat on her back like that. Okay. 
I have only seen, well, I've only used that a couple of times and it's when a baby needs to turn and a baby is stuck. And that is our last resort <laughs> that we're going to use. And your knees go all the way up to your ears, essentially. So it is not comfortable. It is not a go-to. I've only used it a handful of times on clients that actually need it. But no, we're not talking about literally flat on your back. It's more of a kind of a reclined lying back. And um, basically you're, doing one of two things with your legs you're, you're pulling your like you have your hands behind your knees and you're pulling your own knees up like by your shoulders and people are kind of helping you with the weight of your legs so you're not doing that by yourself uh you could be pulling on the handlebars that are on the bed that are provided you could be pulling on those you might be pulling on um your partner or the nurse or your doula you might be pulling their hands or their arms um or tug of war where maybe there's a sheet and uh, it's got like a, a knot on the end of it and you're trying to pull the other person at the other side of that sheet. You're trying to pull them into the bed with you. Same idea. So all of those, if you caught it, all of those I'm saying pull. And so what you're trying to do is get kind of this um, kind of this, your bearings a little bit and this grip, so to speak, so that you have something to kind of push against. Uh, I'm moving my hands for you guys. Oh, I wish you could see me. <laughs> but again, the idea is to just kind of get your bearings and you're just pulling. Okay. That's important to know that you're not flat on your back, that you're kind of lying back. The bed has propped you up a little bit and it, it is, a, it's not a straight up sitting, but it's a more of a reclined. Okay. So that is very common position, go-to positions. And most doctors um, like that position. Um, then you can also kind of, um, uh, sit up a little bit more and have more of a squatting, like they actually have squatting bars. And so that's beautiful. So like your feet are still on the bed and you cut uh, the, the foot of the bed is dropped. Okay. So your, your legs and your feet are lower than your bottom. Okay. And you kind of scooch to the edge of the bed and you're leaning on that squat bar. And you basically just kind of drop your bottom down and you're squatting like, like you, like if you were to just drop down right now and squat, that's what you're doing, but on the bed with the assistance of that squat bar and you could push that way. That's a great way. Um, if the birthing center, maybe some hospitals have a birthing stool, which is awesome. I'm just going to tell y'all right now, that's how I delivered all five of my natural childbirths were on the birthing stool. That would absolutely be my number one recommendation, but most hospitals do not have a birthing stool. I'm so sorry that they don't. So this squatting one is probably the next best thing for you. But I would imagine that the birthing center or your midwife, if they're coming to your house, hopefully they do have a birthing stool. They should. Um, and that is a great, great, great place to labor. Uh, not labor. I'm sorry. Deliver. Push your baby out. Um, hands and knees. Now, understand in the hospital with the OB, if you flip around, to your hands and knees, and your backside now is at them, everything is upside down from what they're used to, what they're what they're normally looking for in terms of the baby's head and the sutures and position and all that stuff. So they're having to go up. Does that make sense? They're having to view everything upside down. It's backwards. And so they don't do that very often. They don't recommend that one super often. And so... You're going to have to really talk to your caregiver about that one in advance. 
but it is an effective way to push. And sometimes we are working hard to find the right position for this mama to find the spot, the sweet spot. If you've read my book, you know what I'm talking about to find the sweet spot. Um, that takes some time, um, to find it and the best position for you to push. What is giving you, um, the most leverage in terms of your pushing? What is helping you really bring baby down? And so, you know, we may try a lot of these different positions. Um, and then another one that I don't think is used super often, but can be really effective. And you're actually lying on your side in the bed. And so that leg that's up on top, someone is holding that leg for you. Um, and your knee is kind of bent a little bit and you push that way. I've, and I've had several clients deliver that way. And it is a way to kind of rest your body. Um, and then between contractions, it's a lot easier to rest um, that way. And so you have options in terms of pushing. And I think I'm bringing this up again, because I want you guys to be informed. I want you to know what your options are. And most of these things, I don't feel like you should have to really fight hard for it. These should all be available to you. So be proactive in that conversation with your caregiver about what your options are. And these are things that you are looking for. These are things you would like to do and like to try and you would like their support in doing that. Um, so yeah, I hope that after hearing this, some of you are super, super encouraged now. Um, maybe you're already pregnant and you're, you know, headed into birth and you're like, wow, I didn't even know some of those things that she said. And so I hope you feel more equipped and, and ready to go. And so, um, please reach out you guys. If you have some additional questions about this, or you want to pick my brain, please reach out. Um, I'll, I'm my doula Micah pretty much everywhere on my website, uh, Instagram, Facebook. I would love to hear from you all. I would love to answer more of your questions and I appreciate you tuning in. Hey, thanks for joining me on game day, birds, not balls. You can follow me on my Instagram page at my doula Micah. You can also find me on wagodoula.com, wagodoula's on Facebook. And if you like what you heard, you can subscribe or you can find us on roguemedianetwork.com. Thanks for joining us. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.